Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Ready when you are, slide roll. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 403, Uprising, is brought to you by Build-A-Wall Bridal, the latest in fashion for those who loathe inhumans. Wow. Pete, uh, we are, of course, fresh from New York Comic Con this past weekend. Uh, this means that last night's viewing of this episode uh, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was our second. Uh, it was viewed before the rabid crowd, which uh, which ate it up. And uh, certainly, certainly a great episode to have seen twice in about five days. It was. And, uh, you know, you can go to fantasticgeek.com right now and take in a number of our offerings from New York Comic Con and Marvel Inclusive. We have uh, the podcast, our, our spectacular from uh, a number of days at uh, New York Comic Con 2016. And then Matt has uh, taken great pains to put together a video of our adventures there, uh, you know, including some Marvel highlights from both the uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, Marvel Netflix panels. Yeah, it uh, it's a it's a fun little video, fun opportunity to uh, to to get the best six minutes of action that we had uh, while at New York Comic Con. Actually, Pete, as we speak right now, moving it to the, the the top of the old the old PG. So it'll actually be uh, be the second thing right after this Agents of Shield podcast uh, thus posted. So a great time to check out that uh, that video. Also continuing on with our Luke Cage podcast right now, we'll be podcasting uh, episode 106. That'll be dropping on Friday, October 14th. So we'll be bringing you that. Matt, anything else we're working on right now? Pete, we are putting the final finishing touches on the the very first episode of our Iron Fist podcast. Uh, of course, having seen the uh, the cast of Iron Fist at that at that mammoth uh, Marvel Netflix panel Saturday night at New York Comic Con. Of course, we have to get uh, we have to get in depth with that even more in depth, Pete, than we did on our New York Comic Con spectacular episode, uh, which of course hit the Pop Culture Podcast uh, just a couple days ago. So ready to, to 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 dive on into that new arena ahead of uh, the the March seventeenth drop of that series. Looking forward to bringing you all of this. Well, Pete, with that, why don't we dive in to all of this for this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? When we catch you up on what went down, we begin here, Matt, the tease, Miami, Florida. There's a party of magicians. Uh, there, born with a gift, can make things disappear. Wonder what what powers he has. Clearly, an inhuman. The the the, the drink umbrella was there, then it was gone. He is an inhuman. He's clearly an inhuman. There's a bride to be, and then she makes a crack. Maria, the bride to be, that uh, maybe the magician can turn Elena's clothes into a pretty dress. So poor Yo Yo being picked on by this bride, something that will continue throughout this episode. Not a good person, that Maria. Uh, Elena, 
Yo-Yo then, of course, receives a phone call. It is Mac. She does not answer. However, Maria, continuing to bully, grabs it, uh, hears Mac say Yo-Yo, which she then uses against her, and then the lights go out. There is uh, your, your your rather standard wide shot of, you know, city in blackout. Then there's this amazing shot of a helicopter falling out of the sky, hitting a building across the street. And uh, if it, if you know anything about uh, about EMPs, at least as far as, uh, you know, they're shown in TVs, movies, it seems that's where we're headed. Uh, just because if there was a power outage, of course, it wouldn't bring a chopper out of the sky with that Pete title card which itself blacks out. Yeah. And uh, thematically, and having seen this, you know, both at New York Comic Con and then we watched it again last night. um, One thing that Marvel head of television, Jeff Loeb pointed out was that there were a number of shots in what we screened at New York Comic Con that were not finished or as they are known in the trade, wet and they would be denoted with a red dot on the screen so that we understood when we saw the red dot that it was not normal. Um, This, of course, finished to screen for us again on TV along with everybody else last night. And Matt, could you tell the difference? I really couldn't. I know one of the one of the wide shots of the rooftop apartment, it crossed my mind. Oh, maybe there's some extra stuff going on in the shot, you know, not in the party portion, but even then maybe I was just, I was looking to find things. Uh, Those, those incomplete effects shots that we saw last week were, were ready for, you know, ready for presentation. And it's a testament to Mark Kolpak and his whole team that (laughs) they're able to have incomplete stuff that is, that is uh, at a standard above what a quick viewing of the show warrants so they're 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 given 110 percent absolutely imperceptible other than that little dot there to i think a pair of people who are pretty you know observant when it comes to that so again a testament to Colpack and his fx crew the story proper continues in act one with uh, lots of exposition we're back in shield hq by the way i guess i should set the setting first uh there's lots of exposition about who in the world could be doing this who could be messing with the power Pete, there's only one person. That's Lincoln Campbell. Tear. We know it's not him, Pete, because we're not watching that other show with Lady Sif, because that's a completely different show and a completely different network. So, Tear, it's all connected, even the break in my heart. Um, the S.H.I.E.L.D. regulars uh, are, are introduced here rather mysteriously, Pete, not just to, uh, of course, uh, Director Mace, who, well, it's no introduction. We've seen him before, but... We meet Burroughs, the PR guy who's thinking about the PR effect on S.H.I.E.L.D. Let's keep an eye on him, Pete. Even all spoiler-free Matt has a few cinematic clues that we'll discuss <laughs> as the episode goes on. But name-checked PR guy Burroughs. Let's just lay off him, says the director. He's the and PR he's guy thinking PR. There to worry about bad publicity. So a, a specialist. Um, but Fitz runs down... Having received this communication from a group calling itself the Inhuman Resistance, they want the uh, registration of Inhumans around the world uh, by governments post-Sokovia Accords to end. 
and uh, their broadcast, we're told by Fitz, is untraceable. Rules out both Nutjob and Lone Wolf. Elsewhere in Shield HQ, Colson and Simmons are watching Maze Vitals uh, over uh, over what we, what we will assume is a secure link on the internet. Um, it's the, Skype, Matt. Doesn't everybody just Skype? Uh, uh, you know, over the internet to watch, you know, uh, members of your team who have seen a ghost uh, flatline. Um, Isn't that what you do? Sure, if you're Shield and you think that's secure enough and not subject to potential monitoring from third parties but i digress um they're watching may's vitals and the the medical staff on the other end they're clueless about her situation um those on the other side are simmons uh has some thoughts and takes them to task uh, because she can see the vitals but certainly uh story-wise an update that that she's not in good shape wherever she is pete pete will we ever know where may is going to well, uh, Simmons tells Colson it is classified, and even if the director uh, allowed it, not sure that she could say. And then the director comes in and says that she is in upstate New York at a CDC facility. So mystery gone. But he needed Colson where he is in case of a crisis, you know, like worldwide EMP attacks. So uh, just as the last remaining gang member who has seen a ghost expires. We have set our stakes here. Wait, wait, Pete, what you're telling me is in the course of this, this high action, fast paced scene, we've also checked story boxes for the directors, actually good peeps and a good guy and is not standing on ceremony during this, during this time of crisis and reminding Colson that Colson has a job to do and the job is to not help May, but rather to, to help everyone to serve as a shield for the people and being a ticking time bomb to show us that what the watchdog goons brain is overflowing from ghost power. And therefore that's a ticking time bomb for May. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. Wow. To Miami where, uh, Yo-Yo is told by Maria that, uh, her fiance is out there. Um, under her breath, pretty much, Yo-Yo explains that this was probably an EMP. What? It's electromagnetico. Exactly. All, all that crazy uh, talk that you just did there. Um, in L.A., we have uh, Robbie Reyes and Daisy. And uh, as they are uh, driving around and pull into a gas station here it's the discussion of knowing somebody at that um physics facility in pasadena which indeed robbie did his uncle elias had been there um the uncle that daisy knows went to jail for attempted manslaughter however he is a trained electrical engineer and uh it's just then that over the radio they hear that Two cities have uh, blacked out. London has joined Miami, um, that these are inhumans. Daisy, of course, doesn't believe it. And just as Robbie is filling up, uh, there are sparks and cars stop. And his worry for his brother, Gabriel, begins. I'm so glad that for perhaps the first time in 60, uh, this was the 69th episode of agents of shield, Matt. 
and this may be the first time somebody has needed to pull over for gas, which is fine. <laughs> you know what? I, the, the, the show, you know, is, is, is high paced. There's twists, there's turns. I'm just so glad that they pulled over when they did just in time for convertible, convertible car tuned to expositional radio, LA's most expositional radio station <laughs> to give exactly the information they needed right when they needed it before there was a blackout at an inexpensive um outdoor location lit by god's own son um, well, wait till that's next s-u-n week by the way wait wait till next week when uh somebody uses the restroom for the first time oh man flush the the, the can you imagine what a shield toilet is like pete uh but anyhow the blackout having ensued in LA, as you mentioned, it's time for an exciting act break. Act two begins with Dr. Radcliffe and uh, Ada, uh, who can't quite keep up with him, Matt. Uh, he's being a little bit of a snappy cat. Yeah, and uh, it was it was interesting to see the Ada Radcliffe uh, interplay through shall we say um slightly different eyes given given some things in the news in the last the last time since agents of shield was on so kind of older guy with attractive younger woman he's kind of snapping at her and just just kind of like ah uh-huh, okay let's let's hope they don't need to do a lot of rewrites because radcliffe overall good guy funny guy um side note um pete because she's a robot she wears her heels uh, all the time just as a side note just you know because because pete the feet aren't gonna hurt and he's got to put her away here he's um gonna need to help simmons as they are shipping may to his uh lab there uh doesn't want to give away the existence of ada and puts her in her little uh borg alcove uh that eventually matt they won't need to hide her. I wonder when he'll no longer need to hide her once her energy source is used to save uh, the the second lead on this show. It is, uh, of course, the debut of uh, Ada's on-screen sleep mode with glowing um, power thing uh, inside her. That's her- actually how it is is referenced in the script, Matt. Glowing power thing. Well, Pete, it's it, it, it is poetry in motion. Um, why does she need to be put away? Because they're there. They're there with who? May's there, not in good shape. Shape. Uh, there are those continued use of the point of view shots where everybody appears to be a ghost face killer. Um, and back we go to Zephyr One with Colson, Mac, and Fitz on their way to find out the particulars of the blackout. And on their way, they're tuned into the TV where Senator Nadir, uh, ER, and Alcatrazes, and Bendit like the Beckhams, Parmender Nagra, is uh, on TV discussing the inhuman threat. And Coulson says that people are ready to get their pitchforks and torches ready. A fourth city, Matt, count them, Moscow has gone down now. Uh, Fitz has analyzed the blackouts and it's determined that each of them has uh, occurred over the exact same uh, area of space in the cities. So he has all that he needs to stop it. 
Um, and I'm sure they'll they'll get there. And with all the stuff that he has, they'll just be able to take it out. Can we just reflect for a moment on the the sassy defiance with which Shield uh, casts a a, a non white actor in a role which exists as a metaphorical i am the senator who says build the wall because all the thems are coming and we need to protect the us's like they're they're pushing the metaphor overall in this episode greater than the show ever has before and we'll get into that in due course but parminder negra is a great actress on her own but to then say well who's available let's get her because it's 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 a Star Trekian Twilight Zoneian twist of what we are referencing from real life, and to use her American accent and not her uh, more lilting, lovely to listen to British style Indian accent. Again, Matt, the the choices made here only in support of the greater theme. Back to Los Angeles we go. The ghost car can zip around all the other stopped cars, you know, because they all have computer stuff. And the the ghost car follows the Battlestar Galactica rules of no networks, no computers. <laughs> um, it's great camera work inside and out. I mean, look, they're upfront in saying that all the other cars are stopped, and they are. But it's supplemented by by the, the 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 cameraman camera person kind of shaking the camera as they're moving around whether whether exterior shots or you know I don't know that every in every shot of them inside the car is actually them driving on the streets versus uh, you know some kind of green screen thing but it's just sold as zipping around as opposed to you know dude's probably going like 35 miles an hour maybe 40 you know passing stopped cars left and right um, it just really kind of sells the action and the energy here. It is. Just prior to that, there was a shot in L.A. of the rioting. Um, Robbie's brother, Gabe, is out on the streets in his wheelchair. And there is Mob, Matt, who uh, apparently takes uh, some kind of shine to the handicapped boy in the wheelchair. Robbie, while, while they're they're driving with intensity um robbie says that he wants to get the thing uh that is inside him wants to get it out um he thought that if he had settled his score it would be gone then he decided he would start settling the scores of others but that hasn't helped either and then pete back to fear the rolling dead being picked on by the multi-ethnic crew of baddie vandals yeah, can we just I get it they're they're rioting this this boy looked at them but really what kind of gang of thugs is going to pick on a a boy in a wheelchair? I mean, you you're thinking, Matt, every time I'm in a riot, it's like, all right, where's I got to get me a flat screen, okay? And stuff like that. It's not like, ooh, there's there's a handicap boy. There's no power. Easy pickings, man. You can steal City Hall. <laughs> well, I think, uh, let me put it this way, Pete. It's <laughs> it's a good bit of drama that uh, that uh, Gabe is being picked on. Otherwise, the, the ensuing scene would be replaced by Robbie and Daisy pull up. Hey, bro, let me help you into the car, says Gabe as Daisy slides to the back, and they all go home. So uh, perhaps a bit of a story cheat, but a story cheat... Um, 
in which Robbie's car interrupts the the forthcoming uh you know attack or picking on or whatever uh whatever was about to unfold the goon says it's a shame something this nice is being wasted by someone who can't take care of her pete is it the car or daisy about which he speaks oh it's both matt it is both and metaphor uh, yeah using of course his hot head and his hotter hands he makes the thug pay for it uh they fight quake quakes uh, hurts her hand again, her wrist, because she's not supposed to do that because there's some kind of medicine now that makes it so she's not supposed to do it, which is why she has to communicate with uh, Yo-Yo, which is why she's not supposed to do it. And that's that. Or is it? Robbie asks, you good, bro? And Gabe says, still standing. You love it, love it, love it. Back we go to Miami. Uh, that there there are baddies breaking on into the uh, to the the party that's been interrupted by the blackout. They're here for the Inhuman. Oh snap! Act break. Act three resumes with a really really cool scan of May's brain. Um, the, again, the the VFX here are just absolutely incredible as we're moving through these scans and it's three D and it's grab the hologram and zoom in on things. The take here from Radcliffe and Simmons is that uh, that all these victims, may included, are being scared, scared to death. Ooh, sounds scary. It is. And deadly. That, that is true. Uh, the story returns to Coulson, Mac, and Fitz on the way to find the source of the, uh, the, the blackout. They're trying to track where the problem is. Uh, we return to uh, Yo-Yo and her bride friend named Maria Pete. Yes, I you know I once met a girl named Maria. Anyhow, um, the, the uh, Maria is happy to see the Inhuman get caught. Yo-Yo says they're people too; they deserve to be here. Shield taking it up a notch with our m- metaphorical discussions of the real world here. Shield yes. is talking about life today, Pete. Look what L.A. has done to Yo-Yo. You're not a vegan now, are you? Either <sighs> all those all those vegans with their lifestyle. Um, Colson is told by the director that they need to take, to get things taken care of ASAP. Uh, Cause of course they're Skyping too, brought to you by Skype. Um, Pete, what other information does the director bring other than come on Colson, you can do it. Six cities around the globe, Matt have now gone dark. They need a win. And, uh, with that, the call is interrupted because they've entered the blackout zone. Yes, another pulse here has uh, rendered their car inoperable. Coulson's robotic hand inoperable. All their tech is no longer useful. They're going to have to do this old school. Uh, Fitz even grabs his professor slide roll there. Uh, but hey, Matt, do you know what a good light source is? Um, a giant glow stick? How about a guy with a flaming head, which twice in this episode, we're told Coulson hasn't seen yet. Ooh, it's almost like we're headed towards some sort of some sort of showdown. If only there was some sort of vehicular way in which they could show down. But I digress. Back to Robbie's house we go, crossing the nation, Pete, in this episode of Great Metaphor. Daisy needs a doctor, but she's not willing to go. By the way, Robbie heals after all his night job activities. So Pete, he doesn't need a 
Night Nurse. See what no, I did there? I did. Um, and by the way, let's keep this all quiet from Gabe, who has no idea that uh, you know that uh, Robbie is sometimes sometimes fueled by a spirit of the damned to uh, go kill bad guys. Well, he does not get hurt is what we learn other than that the night job is not known to Gabe. He's been shot, stabbed, run over twice. Um, there's a picture of Uncle Elias there. Uh, seemed like he raised the two of them. Um, but all that points us back in the direction of Miami and a magician. The magician has been singled out in, in the hysteria. It, it, it's it's slightly threadbare to think that the musician, that the magician rather is inhuman because he can make things disappear ever so threadbare. But I think it works for the story, Pete, because it speaks to this hysteria and speaks to the, the, the prejudice that the episode is trying to highlight. Uh, the watchdogs are, are, are ready to see it. Pete, if he can make a gun disappear or, or a bullet rather. And that's when the guns start to disappear. It's, of course, uh, ending up in Yo-Yo's hand, and she's dropping them in the, the potted plant holder. Uh, the bride then notices that she has been taking the guns, and Yo-Yo is outed. And then Pete, Coulson, and company appear for an epic fight that is made up of long, frenetic takes with camera zipping, bone crunching, and bad guys flying. It is the best fight of the series. It's very, very good. There's another brilliant fight later on, a little bit more stylistic with the strobe type of lights near the, the blackout device. But maybe the best moment here is when uh, Yo-Yo steals a knife from uh, an assailant and then Natalia Cordova Buckley there taunting him, waving it in his face with that wicked grin of hers absolutely outstanding after the fight pete maria uh still is having difficulty uh squaring being friends with an inhuman darn you close-mindedness by the way notice the double metaphor here earlier inhumans had the right to be here they were figurative immigrants uh now uh maria can't be friends with one because they're uh, ostensibly figurative members of the LGBT community, S.H.I.E.L.D. bringing the metaphor deep in this episode. And we find out that though uh, we thought the Inhumans were protected under the Sokovia Accords, that they searched these assailants and the worst seems to have come true here. They have access to the list of inhumans and someone is sharing it with them and all the while may matt is in even worse shape she's bottoming out and as we end the third act uh we're gonna have to kill melinda may act four miami and it's one chimpanzee two chimpanzee Pete, the timing of the pulses is what's going on here as Fitz using the best computer of all, the human brain. Uh, Colson starts to in, uh, interrogate one of the guys, and then Colson, out of the blue, shoots a man. Oh my goodness. Turns out he's wearing a vest, is the guy, because he's prepared for the fight. That means he's well organized. That means, Pete, this is not the random thing that it quite appeared to be. Yes, advanced military tech here. He's got a watchdog tattoo. 
They were hunting in humans, Matt. Pete, clearly the stakes here having been uh, been raised quite a bit. This uh, it's it's a scary notion in humans being hunted. Meanwhile, we have Gabe and Daisy having a discussion alone with uh, you know Robbie out on his night job. Uh, but the double entendres continuing, Matt. How did he meet? Um, I'm sorry. How did Daisy meet Robbie? Well, he gave her a ride. Ten, 10 o'clock time slot. Um, we learn that uh, um, he's been in the wheelchair for years, um, so he's he's worked past it. At least that's what he's telling us, and um, that uh, he is the one who takes care of Robbie that Robbie's wheels would come off without him, not of his car, but of his person. And uh, initially he thought it might have been uh, drugs or gambling that draws Robbie's attention at night, uh, but he doesn't know what it is. He's trying to figure it out, he says in Spanish, which Daisy doesn't speak, so I guess that's him saying it under his breath. Pete, it's one for the audience certainly and the, the 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 scene here it's a very touching one showing uh gabe who i think otherwise had had previously been presented uh or, or at least had initially been presented as the the um the less powerful of the two and i don't even mean because of the you know the lack of a ghost rider thing but just by virtue of his disability but showing that spark in him this notion that that he is actually the um the, the primary partner in this uh, in this uh, pair of brothers here in terms of he's taking care of Robbie and all that it's uh, it's it, it's a charming scene and um, just further tells me that this uh, this actor was underused on that show uh, about the zombies they don't watch anymore <laughs> well the, the the one of them the the spinoff that is um, but uh, we go back. Then to uh, Miami, we find out that uh, the asset numbers and addresses here have been uh, updated when they move. No wonder they knew where Yo-Yo was. Um, So it's not only S.H.I.E.L.D., it's every agency and company, I'm sorry, company country that signed the accords here would have access to them. Meanwhile, Fitz... Matt is thirsty. Pete, it might look like he's going for for uh, a vintage vino, but Pete, he wants to use the corks to make rudimentary compasses. And I dare say that uh, even I, not a scout, as clearly Fitz was a a boy scout in uh, in uh, merry old England. Um, I kind of was like, oh yeah, it's the thing with a cork on the water and something something a needle. Um, it appears that, uh, that, that Colson and Mac have, and Yo-Yo have absolutely no idea what he's doing, thereby leading to some hilarity as, uh, as Fitz is brilliant in, in using the most meager of things in order to, uh, to, to do the science, which he will do in another scene. But hashtag, it's just rudimentary science, Matt. We go back to, um, it's, it's not upstate New York. It's, uh, they brought. Um, May to Radcliffe. Ah, yes, of course. My my bad indeed. 
um, and Radcliffe is ready to kill May just enough to reboot uh, reboot her brain and um, Pete, the whole scene about the drama, especially as that needle goes in, what will happen to May? Will we, will we have a hashtag funeral for a friend next well, week? Yeah, at least the next act because of course the power goes down and Simmons has to start CPR compressions. The start of Act 5, uh, Mr. Robot calls to say that they're about to take out more cities. That's a that's a shout-out to a, a program you haven't quite yet seen, Pete. That's okay. The president is adding pressure. Pete, it's getting worse. There's more and more cities. It's all exemplified by our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. here. And then we go back to Fitz, who has indeed triangulated the spot. So away they go. Yes. Uh, X marks the spot here for them to check out. Meanwhile, uh, with pressure mounting, the president wanting to send in troops here, Simmons is uh, working on May, and uh, she's calling for ice. At this point, uh, Radcliffe is thinking it's time to stop. If only, Matt, if only they had some completely inexplicable uh, glowing green device with which to jump start, you know, like a battery, something in the robot hidey hole in the other room that Simmons doesn't know about. Wait a minute, Pete, how about the green power module that was glowing from Ada that's in that protective room? How about that? It might work. Now, uh, in fact, Pete, it, it gets the it gets the, uh, the the heart shocker thing working, Pete. This a being defibrillator? <laughs> the defibrillator, it gets it working. I, I technical terms, Pete. It gets it working, Pete. This being a story in the Western tradition, how many times is it going to take for her to be shocked back to life? Is it once? No. Is it twice? No, it's three. <gasps> and uh, no wonder when she wakes up there, May uh, comes to and wants to know where she is. And she wants that crap off of her. That crap, of course, are the uh, the handcuff restraints that had been put on her. So, Pete, it's Fifty Shades of May. Wow. Uh, hugs from Simmons. And May wants to know if she's missed something. But back in Miami, they have found the blackout source. And with the thugs guarding it, Yo-Yo is given a... Uh, an eerie blue light there to go along with the strobing effect of the blackout device. She runs back and forth, back and forth to of course, make it seem like it's one solid piece. She steals all the guns in a wonderful slow-mo shot. There's flashing again with the strobe to black. And finally everybody down uh, wheels from overturned carts jiggling Fitz declares, let there be light as Miami is relit and Coulson's hand and his fellas come back. And Yo-Yo saying so many people looking for an excuse to hate, just in case you weren't sure where we were on the metaphor here. This fight, Pete, fight night round two, I dare say that this is the second best fight of the entire series. And it's not immediately clear with the pulses being put out by the by the device that the pulsing that we're seeing is um, is uh, shall we say kind of literal that literally the room is pulsing like that. It appeared to my eyes on both viewings 
at first it kind of looks like a stylistic thing and then the fight the fight has concluded then they go to the box that kind of hammers home no this pulse is what's 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 coming from this device here and what had been kind of an abstract presentation i say oh it's because of the pulse and blah 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 just absolutely absolutely wonderful from top to bottom metaphor made we get greater clarification of the scope of these bad guys they had passports of visas matt someone is taking the watchdogs global i wonder who that is i do too and i, I think I, ha- I think even in my spoiler free existence i think i have an idea but we'll we'll save that for our level seven ian segment e- what ian quinn Oh, that's that's not who I was going to say, but um, Gra- Gravitron. <laughs> hashtag Return of Gravitron. Um, the Ghost that, of Reina. That could, <laughs> that could be like like a web only mini series. Remember when that was hip in the late two thousands? You do like your you actually like you shoot an episode, but then you give it at five episodes a time or whatever. Like what was it on Battlestar Galactica? Like the year on Caprica two or whatever that was. Yes. Um, but I digress. Pete, the story proceeds with uh, Daisy needing uh, needing an ice down there. Yes, her uh, her arms continue to bother her there. Um, Gabe wants to know why she hasn't checked herself into an ER, but she runs out of excuses there, Matt, that they have no power when the lights come on. Um, but Daisy, if that's your real name, and she points out she's had a few, uh, is one of them Quake? Oh, and, snap. Uh, yeah. He saw her in the fight. Don't worry, he tells her. Your secret is safe with me as long as you leave. Robbie needs good people, not you. Daisy on the run again. Cue the... The Incredible Hulk sad theme. I think that's where we're going to end up in the episode, Pete. Who, but... who knew, Matt, that through... Three plus seasons of this show of all the characters, uh, Sky, Daisy, Quake would wind up being Bruce Banner, the Incredible Hulk. It's <laughs> Pete, one of us who's not you was calling for the character to be removed in the first season. I'm glad that that though they listened to the podcast, that they didn't listen to that particular bit of advice there. Um, back we go to Shield HQ where uh, Yo-Yo is having a Bendiri beer um, and defends slipping info to Daisy. She is, of course, speaking with Mac. Why didn't she tell Mac? Because nothing else is going on between them. Sweet burn. The uh, director and Coulson had a quick scene prior to that where uh, Coulson said maybe it's time uh, time to come out of the shadows, of course. Um, some advice Fury had given Coulson when he turned over the keys to the Shield Kingdom is that it's important when to know to throw out the plan. Uh, speaking of Director Mace, we uh, we then have the story moving to him. Uh, there's news footage uh, where he's he's making a news announcement to the world. By the way, Pete, looming in the background like a like a real guy who's looming awfully close to the person who's speaking in a creepy way, unintentional metaphor on Shield's part, but you take him where you can get him, uh, is Burroughs, that PR guy who, uh, spoiler alert, they don't use 
for what is left of this episode, but uh, let's keep an eye on Burroughs. Um, anyhow, Director Mace is announcing with, with folksy wisdom, there's an old friend that's back, an old friend to help keep us protected. Who is it? Oh, we're going to take down the, 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 the piece of velvet hiding the new logo. That old friend is S.H.I.E.L.D. Cue the new logo. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s back, everybody. Fitz admits he kind of liked working in the shadows there. May, meanwhile, is cranky. She says it should be Coulson up there. He says no, he's right where he belongs. And uh, Daisy, back in her van, where she began this entire journey, uh, there yet again, um, we hear the voiceover from director Mace that uh, others will try to tear them apart. And as she downs pills here by the handful and um, director Mace says that the team that trust is the team that she flips the radio off. Pete, we get the commercial break and then the tag scene with, with uh, Senator Nadir who gets a call from secret Lovelace. Yeah, it's a it's a Jimbo as they refer to when they when they mask it, and uh, she's telling the Jimbo there that Shield was a puppet of Hydra. Now we have the current situation. That's uh, you know the the TV uh, in the background. Uh, the call offers good news though. They managed to eliminate seventeen Inhumans during this time period. She says she is at her brother's place. Uh, she's on her way, wherever that is, hangs up the phone and then tells somebody off screen, Oh, you want me to, uh, to turn it off? Oh, I, I figure the TV will, uh, will be company check in a few days, love you. And then the camera pans over and we see an inhuman husk cocoon brother lover. Somebody's getting a makeover. A detailed look at our bad guys. First up, Matt, the watchdogs. I felt that they were underutilized as a uh, as a uh, metaphor for some some sentiments in the air uh, last season. That was my feeling. This season, uh, no, I, 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 they've taken off the uh, taken off the the kid gloves here. They're using them as a a mobilized hate group out to get the people that are not like quote unquote us and that is absolutely welcome um i mean the fact that they've taken this this show of the fantastic you know this show of superpowers and whatnot and and has has really hammered home the very best of comics which is as a metaphor for our real world for our real life particularly american life yes 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 uh, if I recall, if memory serves, Matt, we were taken to task last year in pointing out that uh, the show was responding to our current climate. And uh, I, for one, am glad that it continues to do so. It's, uh, it's needed, nay, necessary. And as you point out, you know, in the best comic tradition, you're going to get at these larger uh, ideas, you know, the, the X-Men as uh, a metaphor for the, uh, you know, gay community and uh, things along those lines throughout comic history. And here 
to get this in light of, again, our, our current environment, I think it's uh, it's just good storytelling. So wait, Pete, you're telling me that when when young Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, uh, two uh, Jewish boys in the Midwest or, or young men, uh, one of whom uh, wore glasses and both of whom were were somewhat outsiders to the cultural norm when they created Superman, someone who comes from somewhere else but ends up in the Midwest of the United States and uh, and takes the very best of American ideals to to protect others and to to fight for the common man, all while still maintaining a a, a personality of somebody who is uh, who who is you know uh, for lack of a better word uh, normal. You're telling me that, that that was a metaphor too, all the way back in 1938. Yes, that. <laughs> Excellent, Pete. Who else is on the the dossier here? That would be Senator Nadir, Matt. Um, here we're we're left rather ominously. Uh, her her words early in the episode, anti-inhuman, and then in collusion with some unseen force, the. Uh, the inhuman evidence there in her brother's home. So uh, we'll just have to see what kind of uh, motivation she might have. It's uh, it's a somewhat bizarre experience from the from the podcasting microphone here uh, this week to be watching uh, Luke Cage with among others uh, Frank Whaley and um, Theo Rossi, and then here we are watching Agents of Shield with Parminder Negra, Pete. It, it, this all just is some some giant in joke back to the Alcatraz podcast, right? I mean, it's it, it's it's just funny. It's a small world. Let alone that there was a Luke Cage episode that takes place on an island prison where there are experiments, Matt, and the story was told in flashback. <laughs> um, what's great about having Parminder Negra in this role is that. Uh, you know, she's not kind of the obvious black-hatted villain. You know, they haven't gotten somebody who's, uh, I don't know, wears an eye patch and has a hook for a hand and has scars on their face. You know, it's 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 somebody who is um, professional, who is uh, of the modern world, um, and, and to add to it the fact that she's, uh, uh, you know, both both female and non-white, it just it obscures what I think is clearly this this. Um, increased uh energy that the show has to be telling uh, a metaphorical story reflective of today regardless of whether you dear listener uh, agree with that take or not um but at the very least the fact that the show as i said earlier is kind of going back to these science fiction roots and saying well we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna twist things around a little bit so it's not so square on the nose it's all fantastic. And then to, to have specifically Perminder Negra is, is wonderful as well. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize Matt, who is in the inhuman uh, metamorphosis husk, the IMH. I will assume that when she says it's her brother's place, I'm going to, I'm going to, Take that as evidence that it is, in fact, her brother, which by my figuring would be a, a an as of yet unseen, unknown character. Um, that's what I'm going with. I am going to go the other direction, the misdirection, Matt. You know, who who says love you to your brother? Um, 
you know, it, it could just be a place for her to crash. Obviously, uh, if this were to happen at her home with her significant other, somebody might come across it. Her brother's out of town. Mm. It's a place to to do your dirty work, Matt. Certainly uh, plenty of story opportunity there. Um especially as we get to as we get to to see her motivations and whatnot in future episodes. Now that uh Mingna uh is back as May and all is well again, Matt, and Simmons saw the glowy green device of Ada, I'm sure we won't be revisiting that storyline of uh the artificial intelligence possible uh, LMD, although that was those specific words were used by the panelists during the shield panel on uh, Friday at New York comic con. Right. Um, look, shield moves so fast. The, Oh man, Colson is crazy and has a, he, he does the, the carvings in the wall. What's what's wrong with him. Let's not forget that that was, uh, with the exception of the last little bit of season uh, of season one that was dispensed with beginning, middle, and end in nine episodes, maybe even eight. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if she, Ada, is, um, is uh, outed next episode, and it's a get-to-know-the-team in episode 205, and then episode two of six, uh, two of six, wow, here we are back to the Borg stuff, <laughs> episode going- two... Back in time to this to the season with the carvings, Matt. Indeed, um, I would bet by episode two oh six, she's uh, putting not, on a again not two oh six episode four oh six that she's putting on a jumpsuit and uh, with the rest of the team uh, and whatnot. Pete, I have one for you because okay. I think I know the answer based on story clues that I think are sticking out like <laughs> like sore thumbs. Who is mysterious? I'm talking to the senator guy. Who could that possibly be? Maybe somebody who's new and introduced to the story, but off to the side. Worried about bad publicity? Yeah. Um, if it's Burroughs, then shame on the show for not hiding it better. Because here's a guy who now gets introduced at the end of the episode is on camera at a point where you wouldn't have a PR guy standing behind the guy addressing all the major news networks. Matt, the show has never been terribly opaque when it comes to to hiding the bad guys. Um, the the best of it was during the Hydra reveal. Um, the worst of it was, hey, here's uh, Powers Booth's daughter. You know, oh, she knows all about Hydra. It's it's part of the family. Okay, next thing. <laughs> So what's your conclusion, Pete? I mean, I know you know the future. I, I it it seems like they're awfully out there with this Burroughs stuff. Oh, I I think that's that's by design. You know, you're you're not really trying to hide it um, so much as you know create a story path. How do you get somebody who is close to the director uh, associated with this rogue? conservative senator and create the the path to uh to put them head to head 
Let's check the wire. Matt, we have two, count them, two messages left on our Fantastic Geek Facebook page. The first, of course, comes to us courtesy of Facebook, Fantastic Geek Facebook MVP, Robert T. Frost. And he writes, so much that we could cover about this episode. This is for episode 402, I should uh, specify. Uh, but it, since it's Saturday and I have two teenagers who have to get ready for two homecoming dances, I'll just share uh, I'll share just two thoughts. So clearly a lot going on in the Frost household, but still time for Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. First, I think the new director is an inhuman, not for the new emerging public face of S.H.I.E.L.D., but to be a bridge for the inhumans already known and our future recruits. I feel the director had to reveal himself as an inhuman too soon in the plan for public exposure. Second, when Phil and the director are having their conversation at the end of the episode, the director points out that Phil advised the president that the new director should be a, quote, hero, unquote, in light of Steve Rogers going AWOL. Phil replies that he wanted the director to be a powered person. The line about being a hero as director shows the politics involved as, I believe, being the president's decision and this particular director would not have been Coulson's first choice. I also think Coulson has buyer's remorse as the new director is being the director and Phil regrets the loss of power to a degree. Definitely some great thoughts there. And I think that, uh, that uh, Robert has zeroed in on, uh, on something that absolutely is, uh, is continuing to unfold on screen, which is Colson uh, Colson off screen Colson between the seasons or, or, or in between this time jump, however you want to, however you want to call it. Um, was was proud to do the drawdown of power and the passing of the baton and now that there's a guy here who's not colson 2.0 it's like you know boss let's just sit down for that little one-on-one where sometimes you need to stick by the playbook and sometimes you need to throw it out the window you'll listen to me right and when he doesn't it's you know that's kind of the source of uh, the source of frustration there um deftly done by the way given that we've seen nothing but um kind of uh teamsmanship and and respect given by uh by the director to colson so it's interesting how amidst all the action and whatnot they're able to still be getting character moments even some that are unseen our next note comes to us courtesy of jeffrey allen john cox also known as jj nato on twitter and he writes i have a lot of issues with my least favorite episode since season one one Pre and post credits opening sequence was a complete ripoff beat for beat of about a dozen horror genre shows, especially supernatural could not believe what I was watching. I expected a pentagram to integrate itself into the shield logo <laughs> when it popped up Two horrible ghosts. Every time they were on screen, the writing was pedestrian for those characters compared to what we usually get from AOS and the acting was God awful. Even the comedy of the one who couldn't speak was a miss. Just a bad story with characters reminiscent of other shows actually built from the ground up on horror and poor execution. 
Three, if they kill May off as part of this crappy ghost plot, I'm going to be furious. Character and actress deserve better than this enchantress ripoff crap they've added. Enchantress. Enchantress. Four, the Epps director has a long list of TV credits that I enjoy, and he borrowed from all of his priors for this piece of crap episode. Very poorly paced, which is part editing too. And even some of the framing on shots was awkward, like showing the open door in five consecutive shots before Mac is trapped inside. Good parts. <laughs> Mac Fitz and Daisy actually talking things out. New director reveal as I'm sorry, was badass. Ghost Rider still looks awesome, and Luna plays the character very well after that awesome season opener. This was a crap follow-up. Uh Jeffrey Allen, John Cox pulling no punches. Certainly, I think a, a lot of the ghost stuff as as I was hearing his words, it was like, yeah, that was not the greatest. And then, I mean, here we are only one episode later, but I still don't see how those scenes serve an overall story arc um, completely. Maybe that'll be more obvious. But well, we're going back there, though, Matt, you know, because uh, Ghost Rider's uncle worked there. Yeah, I, I I couldn't help but notice uh, for the first time, and that's 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 on me. But I couldn't help but notice for the first time in the credits for this episode four oh three. Yes, season four, episode three. Um, Gabriel Luna is a uh, is a a guest star, um, which if I had noticed that before, it kind of hadn't fully sunk in. Particularly given that he and Chloe Bennett and Clark Gregg were at New York Comic Con. Um, and the season is called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ghost Rider. You know, that's how it's being uh, promoted, right? All of that does point towards my fear that, um, like many an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. half season before it, this is just a half season plan. Now, that's worked I, basically as far as I can think that, that you know, that, that that's worked since the second half of season one where they started doing the Hydra stuff, doing these kind of half season arcs. Um, has been really rewarding. I guess I just worry that we're doing a whole lot of Ghost Rider stuff because we have Ghost Rider, and that'll take us to December, because um, it's a lot of it's a lot of story lead in for a great character and and whatnot. Just to kind of say, well, we did the, the Ghost Rider arc for ten episodes. That's it. Pete, an ongoing storyline though is that uh, we continue to add to the Fantastic Geek Army at Patreon.com/slash/FantasticGeek. And a couple of a couple of new pickups lately, certainly uh, putting a smile on our faces. We cannot thank uh, all of you enough. Uh, certainly, the the little perks we put up there. Hopefully, that does something to uh, put a smile on your face for all that you do for us in uh, us bringing you our podcast, Pete. As we say, though, the greatest, the greatest reward is, as always, being able to interact with you on Twitter. So how can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 8,477 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, where... 
listeners to the Luke Cage podcast are in no way sending me spoiler things, despite what Pete told them to do. Uh, you can find nor the are they sending me non-spoiler things that uh, <laughs> you told them to do. So yeah, Agents of Shield people, get in on this. Uh, you need to send Matt spoilers of the worst kind. Okay, who killed JFK? We really need to up our game here. <laughs> Uh, it was certainly interesting to wake up uh, to <laughs> to three like not three jokey spoilers. Uh, that was certainly appreciated. But to be in touch with Fantastic Geek, uh, we are Fantastic Geek with a PH on the dot com, the Gmail, the Instagram, the Twitter. But wait, Pete, there's the Facebook that uh, people like Robert Frost and the JJ NATO are using so well. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek. You like that. You'll be in touch with us. You'll get at everything that we do, uh, whether it is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., whether it is the Marvel Netflix shows currently, Luke Cage, soon, very soon to be Iron Fist, and then on to the Defenders. And uh, there's this other, you know, 50-year-plus uh, now uh, science fiction TV show that's uh, going to be coming back on uh, early well, more middle of next year now with a little bit of a delay. And uh, yeah, people are going to want to uh, check that out as well. Absolutely. Can't uh, can't wait for the Star Trek Discovery podcast to get going in uh, in May. And uh, kind of nice that uh, all the Netflix stuff will be done and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be, will be wrapping up. So thanks, Universe. And thanks, podcast listeners, for uh, continuing to join us on our, on our different ventures. But Pete... For today, this venture has come to a close, so I will say adios to all our listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. Sorry if I was being a snappy cat. <laughs>